Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast where we dig into God's Word together and find life through Jesus Christ. My name is Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, the 2nd of December, 2020. Have you played pickleball yet? Well, if you haven't, come talk to me and let's get a game going. Someone from our church recently introduced me to this game, and it's a ton of fun. I mean, imagine if tennis and table tennis got together and got married and had a child. That would be pickleball. It's kind of like tennis because you're playing on somewhat of a court and running around, but it's kind of like ping pong because you're using different paddles and kind of a wiffle ball, and it's great fun for all ages. It can be really competitive and really enjoyable. And I started playing with some different people from our, our church, and I did it a couple times, but then I'm starting thinking, all right, what's the secret? Well, how how can I get better at pickleball? How did the, there's got to be people that are really good at this? What's their strategy? What do they do? And so I hopped on YouTube and started searching for you know pro pickleball to try to see what they do. And I watched them and I'm like, wow, they're playing a totally different game than what I'm playing. I started to see the way they thought through it and the way that they strategized and the way that they executed their game plan to play the game as it was meant to be played, to play the game to win. Now, I want to talk to you today about something that's way more important than pickleball. But what I do want to do is take that idea of what's the secret? What do do the pros do and what can I learn from that? So I don't want to talk to you today about pickleball. I want to talk to you about something way more important. I want to talk to you about loving and serving other people. That's something we're going to see in John 13 is what Jesus is saying is so important for his disciples. Later on in the chapter, we're going to see him say, this is how people are going to know that you're my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. But here's the thing. I want us to go look at the pros. How do they love one another? And not really the pros, the pro. I want us to look at the example of Jesus Christ himself What motivated him to love and what can you and I learn from that as he calls us to love one another? And that's going to take us today to John chapter 13, verses 1 through 20. Now, this is a familiar story. We're going to see Jesus wash the disciples' feet. And so that's a familiar concept, a familiar image to you. But what I want to ask the question is, how does he do it? How does Jesus love these guys? How does Jesus serve these guys all the way up until the end? And that's what you need to realize. This was up until the end. I mean, that's the language that it uses there is chapter 13 open. It says, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, what we need to realize is Jesus is going to wash these feet for these 12 disciples. And what is going to happen in the next several hours is that 11 of these guys are going to abandon Christ. And one of them is going to outright betray him. And even those that abandon Christ, we're going to see Peter. We know he denies Christ. And so this group of guys that is about to flake out on Jesus, Jesus loves them to the end. And in this passage, he performs the the function of washing their feet. 
which as we know, that was a menial task meant for the lowest of slaves. But Jesus takes it upon himself to love and serve his disciples. How does he do it? How does he love these guys like that? Well, that's where I think we we get a really good answer here in John chapter 13. It describes before Jesus does what he does. Look at verse 3. It says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. So notice there, before he rises from the table and does all the things and washes his disciples' feet, what does he do? It says that he knows that his father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. There it is right there. I I still, I'll confess to you, I still have not figured out the the secret of, of pickleball, but Jesus, he shows us right here the key to loving one another. And what it took for Jesus is he knew his father and he knew where he came from and he knew where he was going. And basically he knew that God was gonna take care of him. And this is what I want us to learn here from the example of Jesus. When you know that God is going to take care of you, that frees you from having to worry about taking care of yourself, and it frees you up to care about and serve and love other people. That's the process I see in this passage. Jesus knows God is going to take care of him, and therefore, he knows he doesn't need to worry about himself, and that frees him up to be concerned for his disciples and to love them and to serve them. Now, man, if there was one person in the history of the world that had a night where by our standards, we would say, man, you deserve to be worried about yourself. It would have been Jesus Christ on this night. He is about to be abandoned, betrayed, denied, beaten, and crucified. Man, if somebody had a right to be concerned about themselves, it was Jesus Christ on this night. But even in the most extreme circumstances, his confidence in his father and his confidence in where he is going frees him up to not be concerned about himself, but to love other people. And that's what I want you to be thinking about in your own life. I want you to think about the people closest to you, in your, in your home, in your family. I want you to think about your, your workplace, the people in your small group at church, all of these places that you go, all of these people that you interact with. Are you focused on what they can do for you? And are you looking out for number one by making sure yourself gets taken care of in the midst of all these other people? Or is your perspective, God is going to take care of me. So let me be concerned about the well-being of others. When you look at your spouse, instead of being so obsessed with your spouse and what, what are they giving to you and are they giving you what you feel you deserve, let that go 
and look to God to take care of you. And instead of worrying about how your spouse can fill you up, concern yourself with how you can love and serve them. Think about that with your children, if you have it. Think about that with, especially those of you that are employers and you have employees, have that concern for you. Show up to church on Sunday, show up to your small group or your service ministry, not concerned about who's going who's gonna to be nice to me today. Even as you search in this life for friends, instead of worrying about, man, who's going to be my friend, start worrying more about whose friend can I be? How can I be a friend to others? Because I know that God is going to take care of me. And that's what I see from Jesus in this passage. And obviously there's so much more, and thankfully we'll get to this as we go through the gospel of John as a church, and we'll go slowly through chapter 13. But today, I want us to think not what's the secret of pickleball or some game like that. What's the secret to loving other people? And I want to look at Christ's example. And speaking of that whole concept of I'm confident God is going to take care of me, that's true even in extreme circumstances. And we're going to see that now as we turn to Revelation chapter 7 and verses 9 through 17. Now, just yesterday, we we talked about the beginning of Revelation chapter 7, and we see about these 144,000 witnesses that are going to come from the nation of Israel. And I believe in this future time of tribulation will be a force of evangelists in this world. And what we see today in Revelation chapter 7 is that there's going to be a harvest. And we see a multitude from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes. And they're praising God. Salvation belongs to our God. But then one of the elders asks John, who are these people in white robes from where I've come? And I I said to him, sir, you know, and the elder then explains to John, he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And some people think this myriad that we're seeing is, is people from all nations that have converted to Christ. But some people see some implications in this passage to think some of these people have likely suffered for their faith and even suffered the ultimate suffering for their faith. And they have been martyred. But look at what, what it says, the elder says about these people that have suffered for their faith. It says, therefore, They are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. So here in the midst of this multitude that has been saved. God is saying, I am going to take care of them. Even though there's a tribulation going on, even though many of them are being martyred for their faith, there's going to come a day where they shall hunger no more, nor thirst anymore, because the lamb will be in their midst. They'll have springs of living water, and he's going to wipe away every tear from their eyes. Do you believe that that's true for you as a believer. We'll see some things later in Revelation. Do you believe that you have an eternity waiting for you where there will be no more suffering, where there will be no more tears, when you will not hunger or thirst anymore, whether literally and physically or spiritually? That's the confidence that you need to have. 
You're not the pre-incarnate son of God who was, was with God in eternity past and knows he will be with God, but you are a believer and you know, should know that you have an eternity with God. The lamb will be in our midst someday. He will take care of us. So we can stop worrying so much about taking care of ourselves and start concerning ourselves more with caring for, serving, and loving other people. Now, as we wrap up today, we're going to quickly look at two Old Testament passages that are going to make us think of exile. And the first is Psalm 137. Psalm 137 clearly seems to be a psalm of exile. It even mentions Babylon, but it is a sad psalm because they don't feel like singing. The the vibe that we get is they are in exile. Let's look at it a little bit. It says, by the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept. So they're not in Jerusalem. They're not in Israel. They're in Babylon and they're weeping. But their captors, the Babylonians are saying, hey, sing us one of your songs. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And they say, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Right? There's this mourning that how can we sing? How can we Praise God when we're here in exile, when Jerusalem, the city that we love, is is being destroyed, right? And he goes on to say, Jerusalem, if I forget you, to paraphrase, let my right hand forget what it's supposed to do. I need to remember this city. And then even we see cries for God to protect the honor of Jerusalem and those that were cheering its downfall. What a contrast between this psalm of mourning and what we witness in Ezekiel 46 to 48. What we've been seeing now for several chapters, speaking of a day of restoration for Jerusalem, restoration for the people of Israel. And today we we see this awesome scene. It's one of my favorite uh, scenes in the Bible in chapter 47, where it talks about this river that starts coming out from the Temple Mount. And even he measures it at various various lengths and it just gets deeper and deeper. And eventually it flows all the way down into the Dead Sea. And the Dead Sea basically comes to life again. And right now, if you go to the Dead Sea, it is a hot, stinky place. Um, trust me, it's cool that you get to float in the water. It's like you're being in an inner tube, but there's no inner tube. But man, it is hot down there. It, it doesn't smell great. There's a lot of sulfur kind of smell to it. Um, it, It's not my favorite place to be in Israel, but it is something that you've got to try. But man, I just picture that stinky, super duper salty sea turning into something alive and trees being planted on the shores. And it says people going fishing in there. Again, that's one of the reasons it gets so vivid even in the locations. I think, I, I don't see how this can just be figurative. But what a contrast between the mourning of exile and then the rejoicing that we're going to see in this restoration. And as we think that that should be a reminder of us that God keeps his promises, that should be a reminder that God's going to keep the promises he's made to us. He will take care of us. So let's not worry about worrying about ourselves. Let's keep the focus on other people because we know God will take care of all we need. And that's what we're going to learn from the pro, from the master himself, Jesus Christ, about serving. And if you want to play pickleball, let's do that sometimes too. 
Thank you for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Thank you.